0: In this episode of Negative Modifier, we'll be playing the game Delta Green. Delta Green, by design, tackles various mature themes that may be uncomfortable or triggering for listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, it's Charlie, Negative Modifier's Game Master. First off, thank you for giving us a listen. As always, expect something horrible to happen to the players. If you're a fan, support us by leaving a review on iTunes. And if you hate the show, consider doing it anyway and enjoying the fact that you've inflicted us on someone else. For the most up-to-date news on the podcast, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And with that, we're now going to jump back in time once again to what the Blue Fly personnel have been up to. So the Blue Fly personnel have arrived in the town of Willis. This is a bit of a hectic drive. Nothing too hard, but snow and Humvees, turns out, don't mix all that well. As you kind of pull up into the town of Willis, you notice a few major landmarks. There is the Willis First Baptist Church, the seed and feed would appears to be a grocery store of some kind, a office of some kind for what you'd guess would be some type of attorney or tax preparer, a dentist, mechanic shop, and Hank's house, the local cafe and tavern, along with a few other potential points of interest.
1: Call me selfish, but I think I might take a little personal detour into this tavern, see if there's kind of leftover bottles. And I will follow to
2: make sure you stay out of trouble.
1: Stay out of trouble? There is literally no one else alive in this town.
3: Better safe than sorry.
2: I point over and say, yep. Look, it's
1: not like I'm going to be stingy or anything, but fine. The more the merrier. I would like to check out the tavern.
0: All right, so you're heading into Hank's house? Hank's house. So as the doors kind of swing close behind you, you hear a second Humvee pull up and... You hear what you assume to be the sound of a few AFOSI agents kind of piling out to start milling about. God damn it. What's the AFOSI doing here? You go outside, you start searching. Fuck it. I'm going to
1: look around first to make sure that I can grab anything before they kind of catch wind of what I'm doing. And I guess the secondary thing I'm going to look over to see if there's anything else that's going to be of major interest as well, I guess.
0: So Hank's house is indeed the local watering hole. It appeared to have been in the middle of a small holiday party of some kind when whatever happened to Willis happened to Willis. Whoever collected the bodies did a great job of doing that, but a poor job of maintaining the scene. There's various overturned tables and chairs just kind of knocked about inside as necessary. And amongst that, you see the occasional kind of half-finished meal, drink, and slightly askew Christmas decoration. As you spend a little more time looking around and kind of actually looking for clues of some kind, you come across a disposable camera that slid underneath the counter during the night at some point. It has 11 of 24 photos used.
3: We should probably grab that. I mean, it still
0: has a couple
1: photos left here. Honestly, I was about to surprise both of you and take a quick shot. But honestly, this is going to be really handy in terms of taking other shots of interest. Looks like they still got 11, 11 snaps? 11 snaps.
3: Look, we've been provided with our own cameras. We should probably just bag that, let the uh, geeks back at face look at it.
2: Agreed, especially considering this was literally at one of the scenes and seems to be missed. Last thing you want to do is, you know, officially, uh, or at least in some capacity, be accused of tampering with evidence, so. Fine. And I hand over the uh, camera? As he hands it over, I smirk. See?
1: Just try to keep you out of trouble is all. Fine, fine. I'll I'll admit that was probably going to be a stupid thing for me to just start snapping us uh, some top secret, uh, whatever the hell, kind of a business. But nonetheless, still at least a good, decent find. There's nothing really else to look over here other than just the bottles that I pocketed. But otherwise... Well, let's move on then. Was there any kind of communication as to what we were supposed to be looking for
0: in Willis? Did they ever mention anything about like the energy void above the lake? They have not communicated that yet. I guess kind of think of it this way. We're playing out the eight hours it took to kind of analyze all that information. So Ah. you're just kind of doing general research and kind of seeing what's around the town. As was expressed at one point, the fact there isn't any structural damage, despite the everyone froze to death aspect of it. That's weird. And also, given the Blue Fly mission statement or kind of mission directive, if something is hiding in Willis, this would be the perfect time to find it, hypothetically. Like, the amount of effort put into Willis so far has been kind of mostly cursory. It's been collecting the bodies, doing some looking over. This is, in theory, what you're here to do. Maybe not you as Blue Fly team members, necessarily, but the researchers, the team, like, you are looking for answers. No one really knows what's going on and maybe you'll find something maybe you won't camera's not a bad place to start though definitely Mm. maybe it has something on it that shows what happened that night like it's quite possible the camera wound up underneath the counter during a scuffle or something again stuff's been knocked over maybe it was whoever came through and collected the bodies maybe it was something that happened prior to that i would also point out that you are not kind of aware of any of the findings so far. You've not been told that. You've not been warned about the weirdness of the morgue stuff. You're just here to search and see if anything kind of strikes you as strange.
1: Cool. Question, what was our resting body temperature again? You don't know that. Oh, I know that I don't know that, but like just double checking that information.
0: 40 degrees Fahrenheit, 5 degrees
1: Celsius, I believe. 4 degrees Fahrenheit, 5 degrees Celsius. 40, 40, 40. So, because I was going to pour myself a beer, and if my resting body temperature is colder than the beer, that would be, that would taste like warm, would it not?
0: You're really gonna drink on the job, though? It's just a beer. That's fair. No, ask so you, you're gonna pour yourself a beer from one of Hank's house's taps? I'm gonna pour myself a beer from
1: one of the Hank house's taps, because Major Acampo is just gonna have a roadie with him, and it's just a single beer. It's not like it's gonna hamper his Thinking skills
0: or anything else like that? No, fair. Loosening yourself up for the strange, if you will. Yep. All right. What's the rest of the team's reaction to this? I just smile and shrug and
3: say, as long as it's just one. you got to be with me the entire time. I don't say anything. I just, uh, like, pull out a pack of cigarettes and light one up. Where to next?
2: Since I want to go, like, circular, I'd want to go to Gabe's cars again after or after this. Ape's cars. Cabe's cars, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a C. Should we head into town? We could, but you just had a beer, and I'd rather that kind of fade away for a bit before we go back into town and potentially get seen by the agents. I'd rather avoid them for a bit if you're going to have a drink.
1: Ugh, that makes sense. You know, they do say that drinking and driving is not exactly the best kind of mixture, seeing as how we're going to a car park afterwards.
2: Well, why do you think I'm not drinking?
1: I'm not, and I'm not driving. Ah,
0: ah, come on. I'm, this is, this is such a, mission. Capes Cars it is. All right. You don't find anything in Capes Cars necessarily that kind of strikes you as immediately useful. It's just not a mechanic shop. It does, though, drive home the idea that this is, even by 90s standards, not a modern town. Like, this is a decade at least out of date. Like, Hank's house may have hinted at this, but the fact that Capes Cars seems to have none of the kind of traditional modern mechanic equipment that one would have at this point in time. Definitely kind of backs up the middle of nowhere vibe you were probably already picking up from this area. Is there anything useful uh, utility-wise? Uh, what are you looking for exactly? Like a boat or something or like some flares? Like, what, what are you looking for, I guess, utility-wise? It's
1: probably going to be nothing that's going to help us out outside of our gear that we're already wearing or at least like what we would assume that a... I mean,
0: there's probably a phone there you could use or something like that. Anything that'd be inside of a normal mechanic shop, probably there.
4: Hmm.
1: Does the phone have a connection? Yeah. Well, the phone's active, if you ever need to
3: make a call. That doesn't make sense. Why does it not make sense? I mean, you know how cold it is? Like, telephone wires freeze. Like, they shouldn't be working.
1: Yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. Especially seeing as how everyone froze to death. Yet nothing really is kind of. The beer you just
3: cracked open and drank wasn't frozen solid. I mean, it poured out of the tap pretty all right. But it should have been frozen solid. Truthfully, it kind of tastes warm.
2: Interesting. Huh. Now that you mention it, yeah, it should have been frozen.
1: I mean, I'd offer you some, but seeing as how you're not drinking on the job. No, I'll just take your word for it.
0: Now, and I will say now that you're realizing this kind of looking around, despite the blizzard going on, which means it's kind of around or below that freezing temperature, you're not seeing any signs of any extreme frost damage or cold damage. Like, it's all normal blizzard wear and tear, just snow drifts and piling snow.
3: I'm going to take, like, a deep breath in and, like, let out a warm breath to see if, like, I can see my breath in the air. I was literally thinking about that. Yeah, no, it exhales clear. Jack, what the hell are you doing? We should be able to see my breath, right? That's true, there's a blizzard outside. I know,
1: but way inside wouldn't like isn't the heater on it is kind of warm in here too the
3: heater yeah the heater power shouldn't be working out here either it is i'll step outside and do like retry it like deep breath everything
0: i mean out in the blizzard you are technically warmer than the air outside maybe you get something but it's not the same kind of exhalation you were expecting by any measure this is fucking weird
2: that is real weird I go outside and try the same thing, and I'm also just kind of caught off guard by the fact that the kind of effect that you normally get from breathing out air in a blizzard doesn't seem to happen. Once I'm back inside, I'm going to
3: take out my pistol, and I'm going to inspect it. I'm going to see if, like, the cold has started to take at all on the metal.
0: I mean, maybe a little, but also nothing noticeable. And I will say, as you were outside, kind of doing your weird breathing one of the AFOSI agents did kind of see you and kind of in the blizzard kind of like did a weird body pose and seems to be kind of slowly walking over towards you. Do I notice the AFOSI agent walking towards us? Yeah, you notice him outside. They're not trying to be stealthy or anything. Tight. I toss the beer and I throw the cup behind me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so as you're doing that, the door swings in and the AFOSI agent steps into Capes' car, kind of raises a hand. Maybe not in like a kind of mock form of surrender, but kind of in a placating form. It's like, don't worry, don't worry. We're not here to get in your way. We're just here to keep an eye on you. Harris wants everyone who leaves camp with a little bit of an escort on them. We're not here to get in your way. Don't worry about us. It'll be like, we aren't even here. You guys hear something?
2: Yeah, like, you guys hear anything? Yeah, the,
1: the door suddenly just opened. Now there's a chill. Must have been the wind.
0: Yeah, real, real clever jackasses. I just walk past him like he's not even there. Yeah. Probably glares a little bit, but kind of like shrugs some and follows you out. Where are
2: you off to next? I guess we're heading into town. I look at the gang and say, well, I picked the last spot, so you guys pick the next spot.
0: Yeah, I guess of the obvious locations, you have the lawyer or accountant office. You can't quite tell which. The dentistry office, the church, and the seed and feed.
1: So as we are walking into town, I take out my camera and I start to take some photos of just kind of surveying photos. How bad is a blizzard at the moment?
0: It's not bad. It's still definitely a blizzard. Like it's in that kind of still kind of early in the day. So it hasn't kind of started to ramp back up again yet. But so I guess we probably should explain the kind of concept of scales of blizzard severity on this one. As a Californian, this would help. Yeah, I guess so. If you grew up with lots of snow, you kind of classify snow as flurries, snowing, blizzards, and whiteout. Whiteout is probably what you're experiencing at the worst at kind of the apex of the blizzard as it kind of ramps up each night. It gets harder and harder to see. There's more snow going on. You're probably in definitely the blizzard phase where there's probably some wind, there's a fair amount of snow going on. You're very aware it's snowing, I guess is the way of putting it. Like you're seeing snow, you're getting hit by snow. Step outside and fairly rapidly, a non zero amount of snow starts to collect on you pretty quickly. But, like, we're not talking like four feet an hour, like, you can get up to kind of that's higher end kind of blizzard territory. We're talking maybe an inch an hour, maybe two type of situation. Definitely above snowing, which is just hey, it's snowing outside. Oh, look, isn't it pretty? And this is kind of ah, oh, man, it's snowing outside. Does that make sense? Yes,
1: I will be taking the best photos I can while in the middle of a blizzard.
0: It's quite doable, yeah. At this low end of the blizzard spectrum, it's... One might even call your photos artsy.
1: I will be taking note of wind direction, wind speeds, if I can also. Do I have a thermometer with me? Can I take temperature measurements and everything else like that?
0: Yeah, you're told to do some research. You can definitely do that if you want. Awesome. Then...
1: I will also take note of the lack of air or sorry, the lack of breath that we can see as well as no external damage to the buildings. Is there frost developing on the windows?
0: Oh, there's definitely frost. Like you're well past frost at this point to put the kind of weather anatomy of snow. You can't have snow above freezing. That's not totally true. But like if Fahrenheit freezing is at 32 degrees, We'll say snow can be falling up to 34 degrees, but that's kind of rare, specific circumstances. You're well below frost showing up. Like stuff is generally freezing at this point. Like if you left a cup of water outside, it would freeze. You're not experiencing the type of temperatures, though, that explain the kind of instantaneous death that's been observed. Like, again, it's cold, not that cold.
1: Cool. And then do I have a
0: Geiger counter? I could say you could have brought one, yeah.
1: I will turn that on and I will just kind of let that go as uh, I'm going to let that go in the background. All right. Well, covered my bases. A little sightseeing in the town of Willis. We've got Joe Little Esquire, the dentist. It looks like that's a church over on the past the dentist. And uh, that's, I guess, the best major points of interest. Shall we just do a sweep as we come along things? Might as well.
3: Why we're here.
0: Take your pick. So I will say on the Geiger counter, you are getting some somewhat elevated readings. You're getting 0.09 MSV or 0.9 REMs. Like, it's elevated. When does it get bad? I mean,
1: that's not great. Oh. <laughs> okay. Did we, by chance, take some rad seats with us in the Humvee? Because the Geiger count is getting a little consented. How concerning are we talking here?
3: Hold on, are, are, are we sure that all of the Geiger radiation equipment we were given wasn't tampered with to read as if the levels were raised? Isn't that like the cover story for the cover story?
1: Yeah, but why would we do that to ourselves? It's not
3: like we have to lie to ourselves. I mean, if anyone came upon us doing this.
2: Plausible deniability.
3: I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, but this is my Geiger. Yeah, but, you, you know, you're you're blue fly. You don't get any equipment in without them checking it first. Yeah, that's true. But still, I don't...
1: Fuck it. If my eggs fall off, my eggs fall
3: off.
0: I will say it's not, like, hazardous hazardous, but it is above the normal. This isn't some, like, fallout zone, but it's like, yeah, that's strange.
3: Yeah, don't you think the uh, science team back at base would have said something if the rads were getting out of hand?
1: Well, this is just a precaution, and I'm the science team here. I mean, like, there's a science team at base, but I am here. I have a PhD in physics, if you
2: forgot. Question. Could I... Okay, this is kind of a stretch, but I want to see if I can use this. Seeing that I do have a a military background in heavy weapons, I would have a relative idea of what dangerous levels of radiation would be, right? Yeah. Because... Okay, so... I could look at the readings and be like, well, it's a little bit on the higher side. It's not anything where we have to worry about it being like fallout levels. I could like reassure the team on that one. Yeah. Okay. so I look at it and say, as long as we don't hang around here too long, we should be okay." I mean, prolonged exposure could be a little bit of an issue, but these numbers don't look super concerning. Like we're not walking into Chernobyl here, but it's definitely higher than normal. We can just do a kind of a a speed run, if you will, on uh, some of these searches, if you guys are cool with it. I'm fine with that. I don't really care to dilly-dally in this little shithole of a town. Well, I'm definitely not wanting to set up camp here for the night, so uh, the sooner the better.
1: Yeah, especially with the rate of this snowfall, I'd rather not get snowed in. All right, lawyer up. Search Joe Littles. It's the first one walking into town, it looks like. Yep. Joe Little's then? Yeah. Joe Little Esquire.
2: Is it Esquire? Yep. Okay. Yep.
0: Yeah. So Joe Little Esquire turns out to be a combination tax attorney and tax preparer office. And it's about what you'd expect from a small town type of situation like this. It's nothing to write home about. You do find, though, when you kind of look around the office in a tad more detail, the computer he uses for tax preparation is on and functional and seems to be not having any problems. When was the last entry added
1: onto this computer? Can I look to see what the like what not his like search history or anything else like that? What's the last active thing he was doing?
0: The last active thing that was done or kind of like the last thing you're finding is it was working or he was doing work on December 21st. That
1: lines in with the time that everyone just kind of died. All right. Yep. Does he
0: have a security camera? Nah, he's a small town tax preparer. Doesn't even bother to have a locker, or security of any type on the computer. Again, '90s technology. Mm.
1: Voicemail. What, was there anything of interest in his voicemail? Last call, or like, does it show who he's called?
0: Nothing jumps out at you. Just normal small town calls.
1: And then rifling through desks or th- through the papers on his desk and stuff. Any names kind of come out, or like. I'm thinking any evidence of last contact or any evidence of like nah, interest. Piecing that
0: together might be hard, but I will say that the tape in the answering machine he had, it is working. Electronically stuff in his office is fine. Phone systems working, the tape recorders working. Seems like a normal small town tax preparer or tax guy.
1: Are there any liquids in his office and have they frozen?
0: The heat's functioning in his office, so they've been kept at kind of a normal room temperature. There's a leftover cup of coffee that's not frozen over. But the room temperature is above freezing, so it's not a problem.
1: Well, it's about as exciting as doing a taxes. Interesting enough, the answering machine is still working. You'd think that the tape would snap or something.
3: Yeah. Yeah, something's not right. I mean, of course, something's not right. But this isn't just one of those false calls we get sent up to all the time. You know, for a second, I was
1: honestly hoping a little bit of excitement was going to pop up with this assignment, but this is just getting weird. The dentistry's right next door. You can hit that up.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Here,
1: I want to jot down the state of, I guess, the office and and, and the strange kind of comparisons that we are experiencing and stuff. I'm going to take a couple photos. Yeah, I'm going to take a couple photos of Joe Little Esquire's office.
2: Is electricity working in the town? Or is yeah. it like... Okay, it is. Okay. While he's taking photos, I'm going to kind of like look around and since I have a background in like electrician, I'm looking for any signs of like I guess beyond normal wear and tear of electricity or, or like electrical, nothing, everything looks just solid. Yeah. Hmm. And so I make a note of all that and I look at the team and say, This is really weird. Like beyond normal like conditions from blizzard and all that stuff, based off what we were hearing, some of this electrical stuff should be either just like There should be ice damage or something, but everything's intact. I mean, look at this. And I like flip the switch on and off, like perfectly fine. No problems. I look around the room and see if there's like maybe a radio or something. Can I do a search to see if there's like a radio?
0: That's radio. Yeah.
2: Okay, I'd like to just kind of turn it on and play with the knobs and see if it picks up any weird audio or anything like that. Nah, it's working fine. I turn off the radio and just kind of make notes of the observations I've made. Anything else we need to look at while we're here? Or should we jump to the next spot? Well, the dentist is right next door for cleaning. Well, i due not do for another couple of months, but I guess you can make an early visit.
0: Yeah, so dentist office, same deal. Everything seems normal. There are a variety of film canisters around for the x-ray machine. But beyond that, you're not seeing any signs of damage or anything like that. Nothing seems especially noteworthy. It's just kind of abandoned. Has the latent radiation fucked with any of the x-rays? F- you would have no way of knowing that without developing the x-rays. Like, you could put the film through and see what happens with that, but just looking at it, you couldn't tell necessarily. Do you want to try and... It's a dentist office. They have the tech to develop an x-ray. Do you want to do that? Yes.
1: So, there's a couple undeveloped things of x-rays here. I could take a second to develop this and see whether or not the latent radiation is affecting the film at all or actually i could also just kind of take it around and have it develop base i think see how badly the damage is in terms of that do you feel as if we have the time to stick around and let me experiment with this so do you guys want to check out the church
2: i think we have a little time i mean do you need to be here to watch it develop kind of thing or can we just set it to develop and then we can come back and follow up with it once we finish making our rounds handler Do I need to be here while it develops?
0: Nah, also, x-rays develop pretty quickly, typically. Oh, okay.
2: I know photos, you can leave, like, once you've run them through the chemicals, you just have to let them dry, and that's kind of a set it and forget it process at that point. But x-rays I'm not too familiar with. But that's me tapping into my photo lab experience.
0: It takes 15 minutes to develop an x-ray. Good enough for you to go
3: back and get another cold one. (laughs) Or I guess warm one. Yeah, I mean,
0: honestly... I could totally do that. You're going to start the process of developing an x-ray, though? Yes, I will start developing that x-ray. So it doesn't even take the full 15 minutes. You very rapidly find that the x-ray is totally blank, as though it's been overexposed. I'm assuming you check against the other ones, they all have the exact same problem.
1: You know, with the amount of radiation that was popping up on the Geiger counter, I don't think it would have overexposed these negatives. So there must have been some really intense pulsive microwaves? x-rays? A really intense pulse of radiation to fuck up all this film. Hopefully the instant camera isn't going to be affected by that either.
0: All right, so where are we off to next? You got the church, you got the seed and feed, you could try and explore the rest of the town, maybe pick up some of the houses or something like that. Where are you thinking of going next?
1: We were kind of doing a wave, and it looks like the church is kind of up next, but There's you said there's houses and other things like that? Yeah, Yeah, there's
0: other stuff around the town. Like there are people that live here. You can check one of those if you wanted to. Church is not a bad place to start, though. It's definitely probably the biggest structure in town.
2: Is that like in the center of town?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: With a small town like this, more than likely the church is gonna be like the town's social center. So there's gonna be a lot of things that are gonna be as relevant there, whether it be like tax records for church donations. Some churches have family records as well as whatever secrets might be hidden. Is it like a what state are we in again? Alabama. Okay, it's not like a cathedral or anything else like that.
2: I say let's let's hit up a church. I think church
1: is a good idea. All right, let's do it. Yeah, in the church, mm hmm.
0: The church is also the unofficial Willis Town Hall. It actually has a library, a couple meeting rooms, and the library contains a collection of. All issues of the Willis Dispatch, a two-page weekly newsletter written by the librarian, and a videotape archive of interesting news reports. Basically, yeah, this is the town kind of library, social hub. Like it is the most important kind of social structure, I guess, be the way of thinking of it in the town. And yeah, it's a church. The church part of it's pretty normal. It just also happens to have kind of your community aspects tacked on to it as well.
1: Are there any kind of leftover materials? Can I do
0: a search on the church? Sure, what are you looking for, I guess, more specifically, though, before we start rolling?
1: I believe, like, much like how we've come across any kind of, or we came across that camera at the bar, I want to see if there's anything that's been left behind or dropped from any of the corpses that were moved out of here, and if there's any
0: kind of corpses that we missed. No corpses, so this would have been empty, it seems, based off of where other people were found and kind of the notes you have about that. This would probably have been closed or pretty close to empty. So actually, as best you can tell, weren't that many people recovered from the church itself. It was probably closed for business, seeing as most seem to be at Hank's house for the bar. But there is plenty of stuff around. As I said, there's a library. There's a collection of videotapes. There's also a Willis Dispatch archive. Like, there's definitely stuff you can go through here that's kind of the history of the town some or stuff pertaining to the town. Gotcha. Seeing as how we're in the middle of Alabama,
1: I'm going to imagine this is going to be a heavily Protestant area.
2: I would like
1: to find the baptismal chamber. I'm going to check the pipes and I want to do a water sample on that. Seeing as how nothing is like freezing, it seems like. Sure. I want to do some readings on the water temperature as well as body reactions towards those readings and whatnot. Seeing
0: as how this is like the. Closest I can get to like
1: cool, I guess.
0: All right. So you're just kind of looking to compare water temperatures to like check if, see if anything has frozen inside of the church or anything like that. You're looking for water damage or pipes burst or anything like that to go with that. Or just, I guess, what's the end goal of what you're looking for for this?
1: As a biologist, I should be kind of thinking to myself, like, one, how are we not really experiencing that much cold exposure and not really having that much adverse effects? But at the same time, just like as a regular a regular good old physicist, what's up with these pipes? What's up with the fact that the frost damage isn't really apparent and whatnot? Like a whole bunch of things just died through a flash
0: freeze, but not really. Okay, so it's it's the biologist angle of the fact that like you've been told and you have proof that there were some extreme temperatures happening, but there's no physical kind of evidence of extreme temperatures. That makes sense, yeah. So Mm -hmm. The water in the church is fine. Like, it's probably cold because it's not the best insulated of buildings, but it's functional been properly winterized. Like, there's no busted pipes or anything like that. That part of it, you're good. Yeah, it, it's, again, you're not finding any of the telltale signs of the temperature dropping the way the, the bodies dying would have had to have had happen.
1: I'm also going to do some self-tests. I will be dunking my arm into the pool. And I'll be taking a quick step outside and just kind of seeing what's the situation with the extreme cold of the blizzard, plus my experience.
0: So just to clarify, you are putting your hand in water than going
1: outside with it. I'm getting my left arm up to my elbow wet and I'm walking
0: outside. I mean, you register that it's cold, like maybe it should be colder, but cool, cool. you register that like it's cold, like, but also you register that's cold outside. Again, maybe not as cold as you think it should be given the snow, but also, you know, it's maybe you're properly insulated. Maybe it's the adrenaline going. Maybe you're just kind of got that soldier focus going on. Awesome.
1: I'm taking my body temp at the same time and just kind of taking the outside temp.
0: All right. So if you're taking your body temperature, you are about to discover the secret that the scientists have learned, which is that your body temperature is far too low for a normal human. All right, so unsurprisingly, your temperature is approximately 5 degrees Celsius, 41 degrees Fahrenheit. Far below the normal human average. I know this is going to sound kind of weird. I'm going to need to take your temperatures.
2: Well, I mean, okay. yeah, sure.
1: Nothing, n- not like rectally or whatever the heck, but let me just scan this real quick. I think my, my equipment's busted. It's saying that I have a body temperature of 4 degrees Celsius. Sure, whatever you need. You sure that thing's calibrated okay? It's calibrated fine from last time I checked, which was literally just a couple uh, it was just a couple hours ago. And then I'm going to go ahead and do some quick bioscans.
0: Yeah, it confirms those numbers, but also, chance the equipment's busted doesn't make a lot of sense. Like it's weird, and also you've been outside; it's freezing. Like maybe it's just messing with the equipment. Some this is after all ninety thermometer technology. This isn't a really controlled situation that you're getting the best readings, hypothetically.
1: Well, three people on a sample size is not the best, but nonetheless, you, myself, and you should all be dead. But we are not. Okay. Your your body temperature is also registering as
3: four degrees, and so is yours. Kind of sounds like your equipment's busted.
2: Yeah, I'm not a biologist, but I'm pretty sure that's impossible. So, uh, I'm just gonna assume this stuff's broken. We should probably have it looked at when we get back. All right, well, you know
1: what? I'm just gonna tinker with some of my stuff then, and you guys can continue with the search. What the fuck is going on with this? I guess I'm gonna be distracted because at this point in time, the laws of biology is not working correctly
0: at yeah. the moment. But your equipment's busted, either or. Strange things happen. So while Lieutenant Campo's kind of messing with the equipment and trying to make sense of this, What are you up to, Sergeant Hayden and Lieutenant Daniels? I'm going to head
3: into the back of the church, and I'm going to start going through
0: anything that they might
3: have archived, like newspaper reports, anything like that. Sure. See if they've got any, like, weather reports for before this happened.
0: Makes sense.
2: I'm going to kind of just be looking around and see if there's anything, like, structurally out of the ordinary. I mean, I don't have anything in terms of, like, the biology side of it, but, like, you know, I was checking. Electric to look. Yeah, looking to look, you know, checking things I do know, like electrical wiring and things like that. So just just try to see if there's anything that stands out of the ordinary, like this doesn't look right in a church scenario. So Indeed.
0: So you find a couple things actually. First off, you learn that the person who was acting as the archivist for this is one Gardenia Hollister. And you find several notes that indicate that this is not all of the archive. She has Much more unsorted at home. In addition to that, as part of one of the Willis Dispatch archives, you find this note labeled Disturbance at Town Hall. Willis Dispatch,
4: December 19th, 1998. Disturbance at Town Hall. A Willis Town Hall meeting the night of December 17th was disrupted by Carpenter Howie Parker. Mr. Parker seemed to be in a daze. He shouted that everyone in town had to leave at once or else suffer an evil curse that his grandpa Hiram
1: had known about. How he was laughed down by the citizens at the meeting and escorted out by a sheriff's deputy. Most concluded that he had been hitting the brew at Hank's house a little early that
0: night. So in addition to that, you also find an archive of various kind of news footage as mentioned earlier. Amongst that is a clip called Channel 44, Jack Frost Strikes Again.
1: Tragedy struck the Williams family of Tiny Willis, Alabama last night. Susie Williams, 17, died of exposure in a sudden cold snap. It has local residents wondering just what is behind this peculiar and deadly weather condition. Cut to reporter wearing winter clothes standing outside a small house.
5: Susie Williams was out walking the family's new puppy, her mother Abby Williams told News 44.
1: Cut to an interview with a grieving middle-aged woman.
5: The dog was still house-training, so she wanted to take him out even though it was so late. She put on her coat and glove and everything. She didn't walk all that far. She knew better than to walk too far when it's cold out. I don't understand it.
1: Cut to a young doctor in a small doctor's office.
5: Elizabeth Brown was Susie's doctor, and she examined her after Susie was found by a neighbor. It was a simple exposure. She was outside at the wrong time, and the cold caught up to her. It's a terrible shame. Susie's father says she was hardly the first victim.
1: Cut to a grim-looking, middle-aged man. I guess
5: it was Jack Frost. Looks
1: like Jack Frost come down to town again.
5: Jack Frost is a local nickname for sudden, deadly cold snaps, which residents say have occurred around Willis every few years.
1: Cut to a panning overhead shot of the forest and rivers around Willis.
5: Leroy Corder died in 1988 while out fishing. He had been on the lake for less than six hours, according to his wife. Amos McGee died in 1984 while working on his tractor. He was found underneath the tractor, tools around him, dead of hypothermia. Harold Kill died in 1981 in his barn, feeding his chickens. His wife said the only two of the chicks died with him, and the rest were still clucking away around his lifeless body.
4: Cut to the news studio. What we call Jack Frost is a rare cold snap that settles in a highly localized area. We think it happens when a certain combination of air pressure and land formations pull down a piece of a cold front coming north from the Gulf of Mexico. But we do not understand the process entirely. The fact is, there's a lot we just don't understand. Maybe someday we'll be able to predict these snaps. In the meantime, be careful, and stay indoors when it's cold out. That's good advice for all of us. A funeral for Susie Williams will be held at Willis First Baptist Church tomorrow.
3: Looks like this Jack Frost thing has happened before. Maybe we should swing by the archivist's home and see what we can dig up. Oh,
2: huh. yeah, this is interesting. Um, actually, hold on, just a question. Did all of us read this thing? Just you two. Okay.
0: But I suppose by now, compo's probably sorta through his stuff and could have joined you by now. But also, if you want to go outside and kind of tell him you found some stuff that's worth talking about, I'm not going to
2: take that away from you. Okay, so, yeah, walk outside and I say we should probably uh, go check out that uh, Gardena Hollister place or something like that. Check this out. And uh, I hand over the news bit with the Jack Frost Strikes Again article. Huh.
1: that's a cute little name for something so deadly. Yeah. Huh. So this has happened a couple times before.
2: Yeah, but just not at this scale, because if you're looking at this article here, It talks about, like, it happening to individual people, but... Not the entire population of a town. Yeah, and not all at once like this. Like, this is, you know, like, one-offs. Like, this is the stuff you hear about where, like, somebody's outside and something happens. And unfortunately, they get caught with a cold snap or something like that. And that's that. But not an entire town all at once. Not the way we're seeing it. Yeah, you said this Gardenia fella. Sorry.
1: Sorry. This... Gardenia woman has more information at her
2: at her residence? Apparently she's got a bunch of archives and stuff like that so maybe we can find some more pieces to this puzzle and get a better picture here. Huh. Yeah
1: that's pro- let's let's go. Let's go do that. Is she like the town archivist? Uh, Never mind. Let's let's regroup. I'm done fiddling with my shit. And if anything I could probably do some do some control tests over there as well. Provided There might be some gas that might still be running through this town.
2: Yeah, you can adjust it while I'm driving us over there. Mm.
0: Let's head back to your Humvee and head over. All right, cool. So as you get closer, the AFOSI agents kind of nod at you. So you get into your vehicle, they get into their vehicle, and they kind of follow you to Gardenia Hollister's house. So it's a normal one-story house. The outside is nothing remarkable about that. The front door is locked. What do you do?
2: Seeing that the door is locked, I kind of just, are there any windows in the front of the house? Yes. I try to peek in and see if there's any signs of either any of the other agents being in there kind of thing. Do I see anybody else inside or is it just like us looking into a dark house?
0: All right. So looking inside, you realize that either this is a gold mine or a hoarding nightmare. Every piece of furniture is covered in books and pieces of paperwork. Like she really does have more archives unsorted at home, as her notes indicated. It's hard to kind of tell anything else about the house, just given the amount of clutter inside.
2: Okay, so I I look at the team and I say, I'm going to look around and see if there's like the back door open or maybe say if there's a window open or something. So give me a sec and I'll start walking around trying to find either an open window or like, yeah, an unlocked window or an unlocked door. Give me a luck check. 28 out of 50 success.
0: You're kind of searching around, you're searching around some and you do find a back door and it's locked. After kind of a few minutes of looking around, you kind of occurs to yourself that maybe someone may have put a hideaway key there or something, and sure enough, just kind of slightly stashed out of sight, you find a key for the back door, and you're in.
2: Cool. I go ahead and I I walk inside, and I try to head towards the front door to unlock the, the door for them so I can let them in. Any weird issues between me walking in the back or getting to the front?
0: As you are walking through the house, you note that the house is just cluttered Spare sewing machine parts, half-finished quilts, old books, letters, some paperwork, just... It does not appear that, uh, Miss Hollister was living especially well up until her timely demise. Fine, but hoarding was
3: definitely occurring. Well, uh, let's see if she's got anything labeled.
1: I'll join you boys in just a quick second. I'm gonna head over to the kitchen real quick. Just need a source of heat. I'm going to try to fuck around and uh, boil some water so I can calibrate my
0: equipment. All right. As you're walking through, give me a dexterity check. A dex check? Of course. 76 out of 50% failure. All right. So as you're kind of walking through, you bump something off one of the chairs, and hits the ground and spills out and its contents kind of tumble out across the floor away from you. Take a look what's in there. Yes. All right. As you bend down, you find, kind of playfully written on the top of this box, the strange events in Hollister Files. And inside the box, you find... A 1914 letter from May Eddings to her son, Willis Eddings, saying, Neighbor Ed Horton froze to death on a mild winter night while out hunting. The diary of Abe Gardner in 1977 saying... A deadly chill took the region. Six people inside two farmsteads belonging to the Barney family died of cold. A 1988 letter from Holly Quarter to Brother Timothy Quarter saying, Folks think Jack Frost is a curse for the massacres and the expulsions of the creek from Alabama. Also, a flyer marked the secrets of Moundville. Hey, I just knocked
1: over a box of all this old shit. If either of you are interested in some old-ass letters... These Jack Frost naps have been been happening around this area for quite some time now. This one's all the way back from nineteen fourteen.
3: Yeah. What's the current year?
1: 1998. And this one's all the way back in 1877. Here's the thing, much like Wells had said, this happens and just people die, and that's fine. That's just a regular weather occurrence, but not the
6: entire fucking town. The secrets of Moundville. The defining feature of Moundville Archaeological Park is the widely dispersed arrangement of 29 flat-topped grassy hills or mounds. Most are 12 to 15 feet tall, but some cover an acre of more and are 30 to 60 feet high. They have been found to contain pottery and post holes, remnants of old dwellings. Other discoveries have given archaeologists a picture of a farming tribe, perhaps several thousand strong in its heyday, led by hereditary priest chief who worshipped a fire or sun god. Moundville was originally surrounded, all 300 acres of it, on three sides by a mile long wooden wall complete with lowers. The area is bordered on the north by the Black Warrior River. Originally a thriving town and home to classes of the tribe, the mounds eventually were occupied only by the priests and nobles. Finally, they, too, moved out, leaving it a necropolis, used only for burial of the dead. The mounds of Moundville were abandoned altogether around 1500 AD. Alabama Department of Tourism, 1998. The
1: Secrets of Moundville. That's an unfortunate name, but apparently it's a necropolis. It's a little burial site around here, bordered on the,
3: by the Black Warrior River. Is that close to here? I don't know. We could ask one of the agents
2: to see if they know.
3: Yeah, could I could I roll just a navigation check, perhaps, to see if I would know if this is nearby from studying maps of the area? Give me a navigation check. 4 out of 70 success.
0: You have not seen any maps, anything about the Black Warrior River or the surrounding area.
3: I don't think there's a river by that name around here. All right. Well, it could also...
2: It could have been renamed from another, you know, between now and then. I'm sure we could find, you know, if it was renamed somewhere around here, there's got to be a record of it somewhere. True, true. At
1: least from the letter in 1914, it talks about Crow Lake. What if, and just entertain me with this, what if this was all secretly a curse? Like, the. What's his face? What was that? Howie Parker? Yeah, Howie Parker's grandpa Hiram was telling the truth as a secretly a curse this hero to kill us all. Anyway, I'm going to go boil some water so that way I can get my field tools to actually start working it again. Yeah, wouldn't that be a laugh?
3: Yeah. Well, all right. Why don't we take these, box them up? Maybe some of the big heads back at camp, the we will be able to do something with it.
2: Yeah. Well, while you're boiling that water, I'm going to keep looking through here a little bit and see if I can find anything else that... Uh, what was the name of this river?
0: Black, Black Warrior. Warrior.
2: Black Warrior River. Yeah. All right. Well, let me... Yeah, let me keep looking here for a bit.
0: While I'll compost off boiling water to test his equipment or calibrate his equipment more accurately, what are you looking for at this point? Wells and Daniels, like... What do you think the next stop for this should be? I'm looking
3: for any more transcripts of news reports around the, the the last reported Jack Frost event. Maybe newspaper clippings of previous events. Just anything more that might be here about that. Do you have to have history by any chance? Give it a go. Let's see. I can make a roll of history.
0: I do. Do you have history, of Daniels, or no?
3: I do at the base 10%. Yeah,
0: give me a history roll. I'll give you
3: 20 at that close, but no cigar 39% fail. I've got a history of
1: 50. If anyone wants to try to talk to me in the kitchen, I mean, I'm not sure what I'm making the history check for.
0: So I guess to put in context, up, like you're searching through is just a lot of stuff. Like it would take days, weeks, maybe months to kind of really catalog or even search all of this stuff. And also none of you are researchers. You're all blue fly team members. Like this is not your thing you're here to find artifacts and maybe run to aliens and kind of do and jump out of planes and be dangerous. Like the fact that you've been relegated to kind of just digging through what's left of this town, maybe it's a tad insulting. It's definitely beneath your skill level, but also you are literally digging through a hoarder's house. And kind of the more time you spend digging through here, you realize that sort of something like rotting, falling apart, or getting smashed by accident. You're not sure anything ever got thrown out. Like, Not half the clutter, but a percentage of the clutter is just junk, like flattened cardboard boxes and cereal boxes that just were never thrown away for whatever reason, which definitely kind of makes the whole situation a tad harder to kind of just coherently sort through also because you're dealing with a hoarder's organization system. It makes sense to them, but for you, there's no real rhyme or reason you can follow easily. I'm not finding anything. You got anything over there?
2: Do I need to also do a history check?
0: Yeah, give me a history check. That plus 20.
2: Okay. I rolled a 50 out of 10 plus 20% extra for failure. Look over and I say, no, I'm not seeing anything either.
3: Hey, uh, Ocampo, you want to come take one look before we head out? We're not finding anything. Yeah, I'm
1: still waiting for the water to boil, so I got some time.
3: For whatever reason, it's not
1: doing all too hot. Ha, get it? Hot. I am going to search as
0: well. I've got a history of 50. That's actually more enough to kind of figure this one out. So kind of digging through some just files kind of based on, like, maybe you find a vein that makes sense, to actually in chronological order. You flip through and you eventually find something labeled the Creek in Alabama. The Creek in Alabama.
4: The Miscogee Creek received their name from white settlers and traders who referred to the many rivers and streams which course through their country. They included many distinct tribes and peoples, mostly bound by the same language, Miscogeean. A handful of their old legends and beliefs remain widely known. In one tale, Creek warriors hid in an earthen mound to ambush and defeat a Cherokee war party. They used tobacco to drive away evil spirits, grinding it into the post holes of houses and distilling it into drinks. In the late 17th century there were around 30,000 Creek in about 50 towns in northern Alabama and Mississippi. Active craters and traders, they traded at first with English settlers but strife and war soon erupted. Many Creek were driven south to Florida but the conflicts grew more pronounced with Creek attacks on American settlements in the War of 1812. After an infamous battle in which the Red Stick tribe destroyed the garrison at Fort Mims, General Andrew Jackson was dispatched with a small army to hunt them down. Subsequent treaties resulted in American theft of vast territories from the Creek. From 1830 to 1842, the Creek, like other tribes, would be forced in entirety to relocate to the Indian Territory, in what would become Oklahoma. The last Creek tribe was forced out of the region at gunpoint in 1850. You
1: know, despite the fact that this is a little bit of a wild organization system, there are... wait, there are some... I think I actually found some. Hold up. Hey, check this out. It's, it's talking about the creek in Alabama, the Muskogee Creek. It talks about how the indigenous peoples of this area... Use tobacco to drive away evil spirits, grinding it in post holes of the house and distilling it into drinks.
3: That's uh, something I can get behind. You know, unless we are uh, unless we haven't found anything else that's been written down, it was only after the, these tribes were forced out that this this event started happening. I mean, there might be something else written down about it, but... 1830 to 1842...
1: Wait, you're, are, you're telling me that the Jack Frost. Oh, shit. Well, here's the thing. They could also just be written tales and whatnot, or at least written history and whatnot. You have to imagine that the indigenous peoples of the North Americas would tell history and everything else through oral tradition, much like kind of the Pacifica and whatnot. It's only through these letters, I guess, that so happen to coincide with the dates that kind of, you know.
3: Talk about these cold snaps. I'm pretty sure these people have experienced cold snaps before. You know, uh, you're more educated than I am. I'll take your word for it. But
1: if we want to go back to the idea that, what's his face? Old Grandpa Hiram, who's real good at being accurate in his folk tales and whatnot,
3: I guess we have to drive away the evil with a couple of cigarettes. Daniel pulls out a pack of cigarettes and pops one into his mouth and offers one to the other two.
1: Well, I'm not not to be a party pooper, but I definitely wouldn't light that up in the middle of this hoarder's house with a whole bunch of paper and paper products scattered around us. As you're saying that, I've already lit in it and I'm taking a puff. Just be careful, you Ash, with that, my friend. I'm gonna go check on the boiling water so that way I can finish up my calibrations, and I will.
3: I'm good to go. I can feel the evil spirits leaving already.
1: I'll take the cigarette, but I'm just going to put it in my pocket for now. I'll take the cigarette and I'm going to tuck it behind my ear. I'm going to go check out the boiling water. Has it started to boil yet? Yeah, it started to boil. Tight, tight, tight. Am I registering my thermometer at
0: a boiling point? Yeah. At it's a boiling, boiling temperature? It's registering at boiling point. And then I'm going to take my temperature one more time. Yeah, same impossibly low number.
1: All right. So I know that I was just joking about. Crazy grandpa Hiram, but my thermometer is reading correctly with the boiling water, but it's still reading four degrees Celsius for our body temperatures.
0: I mean, the low end might be broken.
1: So honestly, I think it might just be no. Because hold up, you know, what? fuck it, whatever. I'm just gonna pick pick up a new pick up some new gear back at the base.
3: Let me just go jam the end of that thermometer in the snow outside, see how low it goes.
1: Honestly, great idea, and. I could have the cigarette. I'm going to pop outside, light the cigarette, and jam my thermometer in the snow.
0: All right. So the thermometer reads the appropriately, some temp below freezing, we'll call it, 28 degrees just to give it a nice round number Fahrenheit. I'm not sure what that is, Celsius. By all measures, the thermometer's working correctly. Worked in heat, worked in snow. It's just not working correctly on you. Give me a sand check.
7: I
1: figured that would happen. Thanks, Daniels time A 75% failure with my sanity check. 75 out of
0: 50. It's only gonna be one point of sand damage. Maybe there are many explanations for this. Not all of them logical. Not all of them make sense. Like, you are a scientist, though, and this is starting to kind of scratch at your mind a little bit. Maybe there's some explanation the people back at base have found. Maybe your equipment's really malfunctioning. Like, maybe it's got some, like, weird dead zone going on where If it's below freezing, it's fine. If it's at boiling, it's fine. You could come up with a lot of explanations as to why this is happening this way. None of them really make a lot of sense when you think about it, but you're capable of brushing it away, at least for now.
1: So I was taking my temperature while I was having a cigarette. Does that change anything or no? Nope. All right. I'm still going to enjoy the cigarette, nonetheless.
0: Well, I'm done. Sorry, just for a point of clarification. I'm assuming say something that thermometer you can put in your mouth to take temperatures. That's the kind of correct way to do that. Did you have the cigarette and the thermometer in your mouth at the same time? Yes. Let's let's say yes. Okay. So that in theory should have definitely increased the temperature because of the whole smoke inhalation fire situation. The fact it didn't at all is extra strange. The fact that you were not capable of kind of increasing your temperature despite, for all purposes, essentially breathing in fire remnant? That's real strange.
1: I walk back into the house with the, the thermometer and the cigarette still in hand, or still in my mouth. Well, I, I, I know I'm mumbling, but I can't increase my body temperature, even with this thing in.
4: You mean
1: you can't increase your
2: body temperature? It doesn't make just, any sense. Just, just look, just look.
1: Just as I'm taking inhalations of the cigarette, and thermometer's still just stuck at four degrees Celsius.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about smoking for a second. Most smokers will kind of agree that when you inhale, when you're cold, you do get a kind of body warming feeling, partially from the nicotine, partially from the fact that you're inhaling smoke. Yes. Is Ocampo a smoker normally? Not
1: tobacco, but he's familiar with, but I would imagine he's familiar with smoking physics.
0: Sure. Yeah, I will say that kind of the inhalation you get, like, you're from the concept as a person of the whole kind of like smokers can warm themselves up by smoking a little bit. It's hot. like. This is not pleasant. This is kind of like breathing in. I'm not going to say fire, but like this is what you almost imagine, like maybe a bad fire breathing exercise. Michael, like it feels like you're literally breathing in fire for a split second. It is too much warmth. Mm, mm. I
1: start coughing at that point in time. Look, I know I just stuck this in the ground and everything else like that. I know I just stuck this in the ground and in my mouth. But if you guys want to try this yourself, actually, hold up one. <laughs> Jesus, that hurt. Like, unnecessarily so. I would imagine I had turned off the stove after I left boiling the water. I'm not. I'm just not going to leave a fire hazard or anything else like that. But or- I'm going to try to see if I could do the same thing and sip the water.
0: Oh, it's way too hot. It is disgustingly hot.
1: Okay, did the, did the thermometer go up at all while it was in my mouth?
0: Yeah, that much does increase the temperature, but it goes down real quick are you actually drinking boiling water
1: no 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 no. it's i would imagine it had cooled off a little bit and whatever the heck i'm blowing at it
0: and yeah sure okay okay like so you're probably drinking something in the 100 plus range like it is scalding as far as you can tell like it is way 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 too hot and yeah the thermometer goes up some but it drops really quick back down to that temperature
1: i'm not i'm not crazy right you guys are looking at this at the same. You guys are looking at this, right? You're drinking hot water. I'm drinking hot water, which spikes the t- thermometer up a couple degrees, mind you, a couple degrees. That should equal out to something along the lines of like body temperature or whatever the hell. But it drops immediately back down to four, four degrees Celsius. But if I go ahead and just dip this back in the hot water, you can see the fact that it'll start registering the the water's correct temperature. All right. Something's wrong with us. I don't want to say this for certain, and I don't want anyone else to know, but something's up.
0: I mean, also, like, this is how a uh, six-year-old fakes being sick that they want to go to school, potentially. All right. Or I'm just going insane. I don't
1: know. I'm, I'm. you know what? Fuck it. I'm done with this thermometer. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done.
2: That does sound weird. Maybe we should have the uh, the lab guys back at the base check us out or something.
3: Yeah. Look, let's leave the experiments up to the scientists back at base for now. Let's finish sweeping the the town. We got that feed store left?
0: Yeah, you also, in theory, could try and track down the address of Howie Parker.
3: Is there a phone book in this house? Indeed there is. Great, I'll look up Howie Parker.
0: Yep, that's easy enough to find. You got an address from that. He lives just outside of town on 12 Shady Lane.
3: 12 Shady Lane. Sounds like we're going to a fucking horror movie. Well, if it's outside of town, we could get to the
1: feed store and then visit Howie's residence on the way back to
3: camp. Yeah, I'm a we can go check out the feed store.
1: I mean, thinking about this now, pros cons, it's a feed store. I can't think of any kind of reason why,
3: but look, let's uh we've got a lead for Howie. Why don't we go run it
2: down? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to run it down and then we can also hit the feed store as well at some point there. I mean, how far is this place from the feed store? Do we want to do the feed store first and then this house or the other You have around? to leave town
0: to get to Howie's. Like, it's definitely not in town anymore. Having walked past Seed and Feed and kind of seen it from the outside, the chances of you finding anything inside are pretty low, like based on what you've been briefed about this mission. The chances of you finding something inside essentially the town grocery store, low. The reason there were so many people at Hank's house was because it's the town bar and when whatever happened happened, it happened at night when a bunch of people were there for the holiday party type of thing. Gotcha. You could definitely check seed and feed, but I think you'd all be smart enough to logic out that it's a grocery store. It might have something, but it'll probably just confirm the fact that you're not seeing as much frost damage as you should be for what happened to these people.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I think chasing down the lead's a good idea.
0: All right, so you have to try and track down Howie Parker's place? Indeed. All right. Mm hmm. All right, so the AFOSI agents didn't bother getting out of their vehicle this time. As you step out, you see them kind of waiting for you to get back in yours. Give me a navigate to see if you can find this place.
2: I'm rolling now. Oh, well, I uh, critical rolled. So I rolled an 11 out of 50. All
0: right, so you kind of figure out that. 12 Shady Lane is a road that goes out of the south end of Willis. It actually takes you kind of back through past all the places you've been. You get one last look at Seed and Feed as you kind of cut through the town and head south towards the lake. It is a logging road. It's not well maintained. And after a few minutes of careful driving, you arrive at what you only can hope is Howie Parker's trailer home. Not in great shape. It's pretty battered. It definitely shows its age. You see a pickup truck that matches the trailer home and kind of wear and tear and what you think might be a boat under a tarp outside of
2: it. I look over at the rest of the group and I say, well, shall we?
0: Yeah,
3: let's go.
2: I step out of the vehicle and I, before I head over the house, I want to kind of check the condition of the the truck outside and just kind of see if there's anything out of the ordinary.
0: Yeah, aside from being a pickup truck, the pickup truck itself is fine. In the bed of the pickup truck, you find a shovel and pick encrusted with mud.
2: So I uh, signal to the, uh, the other guys, and I say, huh, weren't we talking about mud and stuff like that earlier? In some of those papers? Look at this.
1: Shovel cake the mud. Is it dried or is it wet still? Dried. Dried, all right. Now, what is there mud on the truck as
0: well or just the shovel? I mean, some, but the fact that there's mud encrusted on the shovel... And the pick, it means it was used relatively recently. How,
1: relatively recently, how long was the incident? About a week
7: ago?
0: Only a day or so. Only a day or so? Sure. It is December 23rd. All signs point to the event happening sometime December 21st or sometime early December 22nd in the kind of span between midnight and morning.
3: I'm going to open up the passenger side of the truck, and I'm going to check the glove compartment.
0: Registration, maybe some winter gloves, maybe a lighter. What you looking for specifically?
3: You got a map in there? No map. All right. That's all I was looking for. You'd think
1: that you wouldn't be able to dig into the ground considering there was a giant ass cold snap.
2: Wouldn't the ground be frozen? That's what I would assume, but you found mud somewhere. Are there any visible tire tracks?
0: Plenty, yeah, but also that's just normal
3: dirt road living hmm let's get inside see what was going on in his, his humble abode
2: yeah let's go take a look is it locked no
0: i open the door all right so the inside of howie parker's trailer is confusing and a tad strange the walls are just plastered with a collection of newspapers newspaper clippings pages torn from books and what you'd guess but have no way of confirming are his own unskilled drawings What do the
3: newspaper clippings cover?
0: A variety of stuff about the town, some stuff about weather. A couple things do jump out at you, though, as part of it. Most notably, a clipping about Howie's father.
1: Mount Builder dies by own hand. Hiram Bates of Willis died by suicide on February 3rd, 1947. Bates hung himself at his Willis home, 12 Shady Lane. Bates gained notoriety a few years ago for constructing the Crow Lake Mounds, which some first thought to be archaeological discoveries. He is survived by one daughter, Eugenia Parker, and one infant grandson, Howie Parker. His estate will be managed by his daughter.
3: Those mounds were were mentioned before, right? Yeah, there, yes. was,
2: there was something in one of those papers that mentioned mounds. The Crow Lake
3: Mounds. Shit, alright, let's see if we can find out where that's going to be. Well,
1: no, because it was talking about the river, the Warriors River.
3: Yeah, well the Warriors River, right, those mounds they were talking about, those those were in conjunction, right? Look like all I'm all I'm saying is if those mounds are old, ancient peoples that were displaced, they made them to prevent a great evil with tobacco and whatnot, then this guy's grandpa knew the secret or something and was trying to prevent another one of these events. Perhaps we should try to find them.
1: No, no,
3: the, no,
1: hold up. And I head back to the car to just kind of grab the letters, come back.
0: While you're out grabbing those, anyone else want to do any more searching around? You got to look for some other stuff? I'll do some more
2: searching around. Sure.
0: Now with some thoughts about Hiram Bates in your head, you kind of go through some drawers and you find Hiram Bates's suicide note.
2: Oh, boy. So, uh, I found Hiram Bates's uh, suicide note. What does it say? I've made five of them now. Thought it was what they wanted, but the voices never stopped. The dreams never stop. Sky stares down with black eyes like it wants to eat us all. Maybe it will. I meant to sleep in the water so no dreams can reach me. At least I hope they can't. Do not tell little Howie. I want him to grow up without my dreams. Hiram. Oh, boy. I hand it over to Daniels. I'm like, yeah, thanks.
4: Damn
3: shame. Look, I think those mounds have something to do with stopping this event thing, or at least people thinking that it would. I mean, you remember that news article, right? The one where uh, Hiram's grandson saying that his grandpa knew all about it.
2: Yeah, it's weird, though. Didn't He didn't mention anything about his daughter, but didn't want his grandson to find out. Is it me or does that seem kind of odd? I
1: come back or well, not I, as I'm holding them in my hand. the letters us don't really talk about any kind of mounds or anything else like that. That was more so just the secrets of Moundville, which was a yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Department of Tourism, hold up if wait, hold up, hold up. If the mounds are man-made and it's connected with Howie Parker, why is there a pickaxe and a shovel covered in mud in the back of Howie's truck? Is he making the mounds as well?
3: I mean, I think so. I don't think that Grandpa made the mounds that's in this Moundville thing. I think that those were made by the peoples who used to live here before uh, they were displaced. You know what I mean? Trying to prevent stuff like this from happening. I don't know. It all sounds fucking crazy.
0: Yeah. As you're saying that, kind of putting some pieces together, one of the drawings catches your eye and you realize that The various drawings strewn about the walls here, Uh, some of them feature some imagery. A lot of them feature some very unfortunate, not so culturally sensitive character depictions of Native Americans. But also several of them feature drawings of snakes, drawing of a chief, drawing of a sky face, and a map of Crow Lake. Map annotated at all? The map is kind of a rough sketch of Crow Lake that depicts the area near Willis, and a few mounds stand on the shore of the lake. The mounds lie an elongated pentagram points east to west and are labeled Hiram, question One of the things he said was a sky face. The drawing of a sky face, through a multicolored mist like the aura, an indistinct face glares. It is all vague shadows except the terrible obsidian eyes that glitter with hunger. A few tiny trees in the bottom of the drawing give it a sense of
2: awesome scale of the face. I point to that drawing and say, he mentioned the sky face thing in his suicide note. Who's suicide note? Oh, here. We found uh, Hiram's suicide note. Here. We hand it over. Oh,
3: hey. Eh? Well, looks like good old Howie found out about all this. Probably had the
2: dreams, too. Would explain the obsession with the uh, with the mounds. Although, maybe... I'm not seeing it, but... You make mounds with a pickaxe? Or is that something you use to break it apart? You use
3: it to break up the earth. Yeah. You use it to break up the hard earth from the... St- you know, the ice, the snow, and everything, and then he can dig to make the mounds. He's got the dirt. Hey, you said that you... You know what? I Hand me
1: the camera. The disposable camera. Sure. There's still a couple exposures left on this. I know that this is not exactly the wisest, I guess, but we're going to end up having to report this shit anyway. And I will use a couple of the exposures to take a photo of these images. I mean, nothing's stopping you
0: from just taking it
3: with you, too. There's no reason to leave it here. Oh, that's true. Everyone's dead. Yeah, let's do that. I'm going to go search this guy's bedroom to see if he's got anything hidden
0: away. All right, so as you start packing stuff up, you find a couple things. One of them is a, as best you can tell, pretty much brand new fish finder. What is a fish finder? Fish finder is a device that you use to detect fish below a boat. It uses sonar to kind of show you what may or may not be below you. Okay. Horrifying, I'm gonna take that. It's got a small LCD screen. It's, it's new, it's a fairly modern piece of tech for this time period too. It's a relatively kind of new thing. Based on the instructions you find, it can detect stuff up to forty meters below the boat surface or below the bottom of the boat. You also, as you're kind of gathering stuff up, find a book labeled Tales from the Indian Country. Crack that open. See if we can find anything on these Jack Frost events. So on a specially worn set of pages, the book almost kind of opens up
7: to these pages, you see. Tales from Indian Country, page 62. Be as close to each other as brother and sister, father and son. The group that was farthest east and first to see the sun praised the wind that had blown the fog away. They called themselves the Wind Family or Wind Clan. As the fog moved away from the other groups, they too gave themselves names. Each group chose the name of the first animal it saw, so they became the bear, deer, alligator, raccoon, and bird clans. However, the wind clan was always considered the first clan, and the aristocracy of all the clans. The master of breath spoke to them. You are the beginning of each one of your families and clans. Live up to your name. Never it of your own clan, for it is your brother. You must never marry into your own clan. This will destroy your clan if you do. When an Indian brave marries, he must always move with his wife to her clan. There he must live and raise his family. The children will become members of their mother's clan. Follow these ways and the Miskodgians will always be a powerful force. When you forget, your clans will die as people. Magic set boundaries on Indian society in other ways as well. To the Apache hunter it defined his relationship with his prey. The wolf he hunted, Might in truth be the tricks to God Coyote Spirit testing his resolve and honor. For this reason, the brave prayed his thanks and respect over a fresh kill, before taking it back to his tribe. Magic also served toward tribes against external dangers both natural and supernatural. An English trader and trapper told of wintering for a month with the Creek tribe in 1775, when the tribe wore amulets and sang prayers for a whole night, while hundreds of serpents hissed outside. The tribe told a trapper that the serpents would protect them from the ice spirits that came from the people of the tribe in the time of each grandson's grandson. A missionary living among the Penobscot in 1621 heard tales of the moon spurt, a fearsome tricks to God who came once a generation.
1: Serpents would protect them from the ice spirits? Hold up, wasn't there. I looked through the drawings. The drawings with the snakes, does it have anything
0: peculiar about it other than just it being snakes? Drawings of the snakes depict snakes that slither into a frozen woodland out of an enormous cavern and writhe over shrieking women and men. Glowing mist shimmer and swirl. Green stars glare from the mist like great distant eyes, malevolent and hungry. Jesus Christ, this is disturbing. I guess to add kind of extra disturbing on top that the last drawing, the drawing of a chief, shows a frightened chief sits in an oversized golden throne atop a hill of red earth under a night sky. Stars shine in many cold colors. Some of them coalesce into a mist of blue, purple, yellow, and pale green.
1: Wait, hold up! This is the Aurora Borealis. I don't know what that is. the 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 Northern Lights. This is. Did you read the uh, the briefing before this, two airplane pilots had come down. Well, not come down, but they had witnessed the Northern Lights in the middle of
3: Alabama. Yeah, they saw lights in the sky. That's that's all I remember.
1: Yeah the the lights happen because of a magnetic it's you know what never mind it's some weird thing about magnetism that ends up causing
3: lights to start shining overhead yeah i'm going to be honest i don't really care how it works but that is a depiction in this picture with
1: what happened to those guys so i it it's, it seems connected
3: yeah it seems like uh, we're not doing the thing to appease the wind spirits and we don't have enough snakes out here. Does any any of the depictions have, like,
0: amulets or whatever the heck? No, not that you're seeing, no. Okay. okay, okay, Again, these are real, crude, not well-drawn drawings. The fact you're capable of kind of piecing this together from them is kind of a miracle to a certain that maybe speaks to the repetition of those drawings. Also, again, the person that drew these, not a great representation of any culture.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to look through the house to see whether or not this dude made amulets or anything else like that for himself. Like, if he's out there making mounds and stuff like that, I want to see how deep into this delusion or he's trying to recreate.
0: I mean, it's just a trailer home. Like, there's not a lot of space left in the place for much else. Like, it's... You're not finding any, like, amulets or trinkets or any kind of wards someone may have made for this. But, again, like, the amount of newspaper clippings that kind of relate to stuff you're finding and the drawings and... Yeah, it's a strange collection of things. Like hell, who buys a fish finder in winter? Even like that's not that's that's a summer or spring type of activity. Even something strange is definitely going on here.
3: All right, look, pack up everything, and then we'll hitch that boat to our to our truck, and we'll, we'll go find those mounds. Maybe we'll go sail out, see what we can find with the fish finder. How much time do we have left in the day?
0: Getting late in the day at this point. We'll probably say it's getting. The sun is definitely starting to set. It's probably getting close to five or so o'clock. you found a bunch that might be worth taking back to base and dropping off with the researchers. Maybe they'll think it's ridiculous, but also who knows at this point, things are getting strange and there's a lot of coincidences going on that just don't make a lot of sense. Like you've done a pretty good job of rounding up a nice body of maybe circumstantial seeming, but man, this Jack Frost stuff seems to go back quite a ways and it seems to keep killing people. I Maybe mean, this isn't quite as isolated as you thought it was originally.
1: I think it's going to be a good idea to resupply. It's getting late. I'm not trying to end up in the middle of a fucking lake in, in the middle of a blizzard. It's already difficult enough driving
3: as is. You know, what, you're right. Maybe uh, after we found all this, they'll let us take out a chopper. Oh, God. Just to be able to fly and not have to deal with all this
1: stupid countryside. You
2: guys should really learn to enjoy the drive. Nice every once in a while.
1: Yeah, but like, everything is just white. There's just snow, there's nothing... Like, this is the middle of nowhere. And I'm not trying to say that to disparage this area, but this is the middle of fucking nowhere.
3: Look, I I prefer to be in the sky anyways. So, uh... Yeah, fuck it. Let's pack it up. Head back to base.